0: Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader podcast. And today our theme is staying grounded in the high stakes of leadership. Staying grounded in the high stakes of leadership. I'm going to call it a part one because I know as I finish, I'm going to inevitably want to do a part two. And uh, it's going to really come out of Jesus, uh, temptations in the wilderness uh, that's found in Matthew 4, Luke 4. And... uh, the way that he deals with this confrontation by Satan in the wilderness before he actually launches out publicly in leadership. And so I want to talk to you really about being grounded. How do I stay grounded uh, amidst the pressure of leadership? And uh, how do I be with Jesus in the middle of it all? So I'm going to revolve my uh, comments around two questions. The first is, in light of Jesus' response to Satan, what do we learn about staying grounded and our being in leadership? And the second question is going to be Name ways in which Satan tries to split you off or separate you, seduce you away from the Father in your leading, in your pastoring. And so we see in Jesus there a, a tremendous uh, model for us of, of what it means to remain grounded. Now, there are demonic temptations that come to every leader. In fact, uh, as I said, the Desert Fathers said so well. Uh, you will have warfare until your very last breath. It just looks different in each decade: twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties. It just comes differently. And so, this passage of Matthew four is incredibly profound, multi-layered, and inexhaustible. That's why when you come to it over your years, God speaks and opens it up in, in whole fresh ways. So, I I just want to approach this text uh, specifically in the way that Jesus responds, the way Jesus stays grounded uh in it. And uh so again, this first question is in light of Jesus' response to Satan, what do we learn about staying grounded and our being in leadership? Now there's a there's a demonic power that comes after him, uh Satan. Uh and actually the word the in the root word of, of that Greek word used here is the word for splitter. Uh, the evil one is a splitter, wants to split you from God, uh split you in your relationships. Uh he he seduces you out of that. And and, uh, you know, you, you know those voices. You stink. You know, you're a hypocrite. What are you doing being in leadership? Uh, you know, get you to read what Eugene Peterson called ecclesiastical pornography. Uh, what that is, is when you read about articles and uh, hear about these churches in other parts of your country or the world that uh, don't have sinners like your church. You know, they're, they're Tarshish. It's based in the Book of Jonah. It's one of his greatest books, I think. And, uh, and that so many of us as pastors and leaders, we, we read about these Incredible churches. We think if I could only be there, uh, it's it's like this illusion of Tarshish. And remember, Jonah ran the other direction. And uh, Peterson's point is that every church is Nineveh. It's full of sinners, broken people that uh, hang the phone up on us and are rude to us and don't appreciate us and treat us like we are servants. We don't appreciate it, and uh, and so we we hear these voices, you know, and our these thoughts come into our head that we don't know what we're doing. And you know, here's Jesus, you know turn these stones into bread was the first temptation. And, uh, you know, you're going to die of hunger. Uh, take charge of your life, Jesus, do something. You know, how can you be the son of God? You got so many problems here. You know, God helps those who stay, you know, help themselves. And, and, and Jesus responds, the first incredible lesson here is, uh, in Jesus says, Jesus answers Satan directly and says, it is written, you know, people do not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Every word, actually in Greek it says, every word that's pouring out from the mouth of God, that God's constantly speaking. Uh, you know, And here through Scripture, quotes Deuteronomy. I mean, Jesus has been feeding on Deuteronomy. In fact, all of his three responses to stay grounded are, are Scripture. He is one who has been feeding, drinking in Scripture. That's not just head knowledge, he's actually living it. It's inside of him. And so we learn from Jesus, staying grounded requires this, this, this lifestyle of us as leaders, with all the pressure we've got going on, that we're listening and continually feeding uh, on this Word of God, that this, this Hearing God speak to us, not for sermons, not to lead other people, not to teach, but just simply to, to, for us, so the Word can go deeply into our soil, that is like the number one uh, lesson of staying grounded uh, in temptation. And so, you know, Jesus, God is constantly in conversation with us. He's constantly speaking. He's constantly nourishing us. And so we're actually used to live by every word that's coming out of his mouth. You see, Jesus isn't my associate helping me get, get his work done. Uh, I'm not a trained technician leading uh, a church, but we're actually men and women who are in loving union uh, with Jesus. We're, we're listening, we're steeped, deep in Scripture, not for other people, for ourselves. Uh, Jesus had a love for Scripture, uh, and, and you know, it's drilling it into our minds as this, this, we want to be good soil. And Scripture enabled Jesus to understand that he had to take a low road, an unsensational road. One of my favorite verses is found in Luke 16, verse 15, where Jesus says, what people value highly is detestable in God's sight. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Meditate on that one for a while, Luke 16. And uh, Jesus had been in Scripture, meditated enough to, to, to know that To run after being sensational, like turning stones to red, boom, you know, or being relevant or popular, or grasping at worldly power, or or positioning himself as a leader so others would be be impressed, the Pharisees and religious leaders of his day, or being considered great, or making a lot of money, or having a big church, or climbing the ladder, that, that was that was that's detestable in God's sight. That's the opposite of the kingdom of God. So he didn't just have scripture in his head it was it was in him it was it formed him and and so he he was able to 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 just reject that temptation, turn these stones to bread, Jesus, and make something happen here and and because he he understood that what people value highly is detestable in god's sight so t- so he takes that low road of of, of not doing it and, and remaining hungry at that time, looking foolish if you read the gospels closely there's there's a theme in it. And that is that the chief priests and the elders, uh, the Pharisees, Sadducees, they, they were constantly afraid of people. They were what other people think uh, caused them to make decisions really away from Jesus. It split them from Jesus. And uh, there's one great story in Matthew where they they they're trying to find out, Jesus, by what authority do you do these things? And Jesus challenges them back with a question by saying, Well, by what authority did John have? John the Baptist have. And it says this in the text in, in Matthew, it says, But if we say John the Baptist came of human origin, origin, we are afraid of the people, for they all hold John was a prophet. And, and they say themselves, we are afraid of the people. Uh, and so they, you know, again, they, they don't surrender to Jesus and come under his will. And so many of us in leadership are so concerned about what people think that it shapes our decisions and uh, our priorities. We say yes to things we don't want to say yes to. We say no to things we don't want to say no to. Uh, But the key question is, what's God saying? And Jesus waits for the Father. He doesn't rush it. And uh, he knows he's loved by God. And God got me into this desert. He's going to get me out. And so let me ask you a question. How, How important is Scripture to you? Uh, is it really more important than food? Now, I'm not talking about preparing a message for other people. I'm talking about for you. And Jesus says, it is written, he says to Satan, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word. Again, in, in the original language, it's present tense. By, we live by every word that comes pouring out from the mouth of God. God's mouth is pouring out to us. And And the great danger is we're leaders— who aren't growing ourselves, that we're not feeding ourselves in scripture. And it just, it gets us off the ground. But the second temptation, Jesus answers him and also says, the second temptation, he takes Jesus to a high top of the, the, the temple and says, you know, throw yourself down. And he quotes, the, the, the Satan quotes scripture, Psalm 91. And Jesus quotes scripture back. Again, he quotes the Deut- book of Deuteronomy. He says, do not, Jesus answered, it is also written, do not put, The Lord your God to a test. Do not put the Lord your God to a test. And again, in light of Jesus' response to Satan, what do we learn about staying grounded and our being in leadership? Well, first of all, we we learn that uh, the devil uh, is in the church. Uh, The devil takes Jesus to a holy city, Jerusalem, takes him to a holy temple, the temple in Jerusalem, and takes him to holy scripture. Uh, The devil's in it all. You know, you know the parable of the wheat and the tares. That where there's weak, there's good, there's also tears, uh, right there in the midst of the people of God. And, and, and uh, so what, what the temptation here is to tell God what to do. We end up, when we're rushing and busy and stressed, what happens is we don't have time. Uh, and so we end up with our plans and goals, and our prayers become like we're telling God we, we need Jesus to get certain things done. And our prayer life shifts. You see that in Mary and Martha in Luke uh, chapter 10, where Martha says to Jesus, Uh, tell her, Mary, who's sitting at the feet of Jesus listening, and she's working, killing herself, and she says to Jesus, tell her to help me. And, uh, you know, the the question I have for you is, do you, do I, do we follow God, or do we expect God to follow us? You know, who's serving who? I have a friend who uh, is a consultant with large churches around the country, and uh, he says to me, listen, Pete, the average evangelical church, the way it works is this, you know, The Great Commission says, go and make disciples of all nations, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so we pray, we open up in prayer, and then we basically strategize. uh, What's going to reach the most people? What are the opportunities before us? And, you know, basically, uh, that's it. Uh, We know it's God's will to reach the world, and so we're just going to do everything we can with the talents we've got and the money, we're going to reach the world. Uh, That is not discernment. Uh, That is just rushing ahead. That was not Jesus' approach. Uh, do not put the Lord your God to a test. What happens is, it, is, you know, Satan quotes Psalm ninety-one, where it says, "Jesus jumped down from the temple, and the, the God will catch you." It says that in Psalm, Psalm ninety-one. Uh, y- you know, if we were giving counsel to Jesus, we probably would say something like, "Hey, Jesus, everyone will believe you if the Father catches you." You know, the Scripture does say that. Do you understand? And, and it's true; they would have believed in him right there. But it wasn't God's timing. It wasn't God's plan. It was a misuse of Scripture. And the point is, sometimes people giving you advice who love you to death are actually not speaking God to you, uh, and you say, well, that is in the scriptures. I know, but you've got to read all of scripture, and the question is, what's God saying to you right now? And the point is, your growth of your leadership and impact and influence actually may be a failure. It doesn't mean that you're right in the center of God's will. Satan was offering Jesus instant success, instant impact and growth. So the question we have to always ask ourselves is, is this opportunity before me from God or, or not? Is this now? Is this for me? Or is someone else supposed to do this? You know, is someone else supposed to have this, you know, large leadership center or a growing ministry over here or launch this around the world? You know, what's right now for me? And uh, I, I crossed that line. I, in the early days, I didn't discern this and found myself not grounded and in big trouble. And, you know, last couple of weeks, I... I I did a, um, a couple of podcasts on uh, when it's time to say no to leadership, and I, sent, I said, told you a story about Theodore of Fermi, and where he was invited to be a, a, a leader, a deacon, you know, in public in the, in the town of Sketus in Egypt. And he said, let me ask God if I ought to be a deacon. And uh, then God showed him a fire, a pillar of fire from heaven to earth. And the Lord said, when you can become fire, uh, then go and do it. And he decided against it at that time. And the point is, you, you come to God and you ask him timing. You ask him, am I the person, etc.?" And Satan's just quoting a scripture and saying, Jesus, go do it. You know, God's going to show up. And he leads him to the highest point. The high point may also be our lowest point, uh, if we're outside of God's will. The devil leads Jesus higher and higher. Uh, the Holy Spirit leads Jesus down into desert temptation and a cross. And, uh, and so for me, the turning point in, in staying grounded, uh, in one of the turning points, or was many, was clearly this monastic uh, immersion I had, um, how many years ago? Now, 15 plus years ago, into monasticism, into silence and solitude and rhythms, uh, which I, I saw folks who were dedicated to a life of prayer for decades— uh, and that was God's calling for their life, you know, doing some spiritual direction, but but right in the center of God's will, content uh, and highly effective. And it was in that place I realized, oh my gosh, like I'm in this uh, evangelical Protestant uh, subculture that is go go faster faster larger larger do do, and. Uh, it's never enough. And so the question, you know, I'm much more open now, and it really helped me make the final shift of the most important thing for measuring success is what's God saying? And uh, what's God inviting me to do? What's God inviting you to do? Uh, and again, if you're, you have small children, for example, or a season of life you're in, and uh, uh, maybe you're pastoring a local church, that, that, that's a tremendous you know, limit uh, for you, uh, for discernment. But anyway, let me move on here to the third temptation. Uh, which again, you know, how did Jesus stay grounded? And you know, what do we learn from him in his response to Satan? Well, Jesus, Satan, he, you know, he says now in the third temptation, he says, get away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. I mean, that's quite a response. Away from me, Satan. Uh, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. See, the temptation here. Is, is probably the most powerful one and the most subtle of all three temptations, because uh, the temptation here is to make our work God. Uh, we easily get that mixed up. It's very difficult for a leader uh, to distinguish between my work for God and God. It's very difficult in leadership to distinguish my work for God and God. And when they become conflated into one, it is a mess. Now, one of the ways you know, the moment we do almost anything to keep our work from failing, that's when you know you've made your work, God. And perhaps without realizing it, we've worshipped Satan. I mean, Satan offers Jesus, just bow to me for just a moment, and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. I mean, this is the very thing that Jesus wants, the salvation of the world. Uh, to help other people, I mean, you're in this leadership for Jesus because you love people. You love Jesus. You want to help people, and and so Satan takes Jesus up and says, "You can do all that right now," he, and he shows him all the glory of Rome and Egypt and Jerusalem and all the confidence in the world. He says, "All right now, and no limit. Like right now, don't worry about waiting and suffering and all that." And and uh, I mean, and he just asks for a momentary bow. Uh, you know, just compromise your integrity for just a moment, you know, and bow to my feet. And then you can get up and ask forgiveness. You know, it's like paying money to get in the New York Times bestseller list. Ah, just, so what, pay the money, hire a public relations firm, and you can be on that list instantly, you know, or cheat on that history exam, a church history exam, or lie or exaggerate, you know. So even love for people doesn't justify anything. Uh, I'm sorry, even love for people doesn't justify everything or anything. You know, when's the last time you actually said, get behind me, Satan? Uh, to an open door that was before you, I mean that that's that that 's intense, and so this issue of distinguishing God, my relationship with God and my work for God, and, and not letting my role as a leader get enmeshed with God and my relationship with god they're, they're two separate things and so I have a friend who's a pastor, and every year he re- he resigns to his board uh, he resigns his, his role because it 's a way of just keeping separate, I'm a lead pastor right now, but this is not my life. My life is Jesus. And he asked for a grade from the elder board uh, about his performance. And uh, again, our identity as a son of God, and remember the father said to Jesus, you are my beloved son, with you I'm well pleased. And our role or what we're doing ends up getting wed together. And before we know it, we find ourselves in trouble. And that's what, you know, this was, this was, Again, I believe the most powerful temptation for uh, Jesus at that in the wilderness, and I believe it's one of our most powerful ones as well. Again, these temptations come to us in so many different ways at different seasons of our lives. Uh, and as Jesus, you know, he's so grounded; he's so being. He doesn't do anything speedy, hurried, spectacular. And he learned obedience from what he suffered. Suffered. He stays with the Father, and there. And I love in verse eleven. It says, "Angels come and." Uh, attend to him. They take care of him, it says. If, if you'll stay with Jesus uh, in the low road, even when things are really bad, uh, I promise you this uh, there will be peace. I know it. I've done it uh, the wrong way uh, and stayed off. I got off the ground. Again, the word humility is to be grounded. Uh, I didn't let myself get lifted up by the evil one. I know that what it means to just be flooded with the joy of peace, almost like angels attending to me. And I also know what it is to be crossing that line and end up in chaos and wondering what happened. I've mentioned, early, uh, I think in, I don't know what podcast, a long time ago about Bobby Clinton's book, The Making of a Leader. It's in its second edition. It's a great book worth getting. But he, he makes the remark that your first 15, 20 years of leadership uh uh, again, as a pastor leader, whatever you're leading right now, is primarily about what God's doing in you. It's not so much what's happening through you. I know you think like this is life and death what's happening through you and so much of the world is hanging on you. And, he, and again, his huge study he did with uh, leaders in church history and biblical leaders in scripture uh, and ran a PhD program on this in, at Fuller Seminary uh, for very decades. And he makes the point that, you know, in these early years, f- first, you know, 10, 15 years of your leadership, uh, it's really about you. God's forming you. God's grounding you. God's—it's uh, the fruit that God's bearing in your ministry is primarily about you. And Jesus learned obedience from what he suffered. There is no other way to learn obedience, uh, but through these warfare. So, man, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. It wasn't a—the Holy Spirit led him to be tested to be, uh, be tempted. But the word there is is tested and, and clear in 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 the Gospels that Holy Spirit led him there. And Matthew, I mean, I'm sorry, Hebrews 5.8 says, uh, Jesus learned obedience from what he suffered. How are you going to learn and mature? Uh, it's going to be through testings. It's going to be through difficult times. It's not going to be through your success. And, uh, and, and that's why this, this, this thing of called discipleship and maturing in Christ uh, transformation uh, is just slow work. I mean, I mean, our mission at Emotion of the Discipleship is to transform the church by how multiplying deeply changed disciples and leaders Uh, we've got to walk through this, our own discipleship as leaders, so that we can lead our people and raise up other leaders and mature disciple mothers and fathers of of faith. And uh, let let me encourage you to be checking out, uh, we do these trainings, there's one November 29th at the end of this month, every month, uh, on how do you launching, mastering a launch of the what we call EH discipleship course. And it's just getting exposed to the breadth of emotionally discipleship, which uh, to me is 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 a grounding it's a broad grounding into uh how do I mature into the kind of person that can stay grounded as a leader as a Christ follower through the most intense uh high stakes temptations because they will come your way as a leader and I would encourage you to you know take some steps steps and uh look into the emotionally healthy discipleship course check it out on our our website but I want to move to the second question now which is this Name ways in which Satan tries to split you off. Remember the word Satan means splitter, to split you off from the Father and from the Father's will for you. Listen, you're in leadership. It's a wonderful thing. You have influence. That's a wonderful blessing. Uh, uh, When you do it for Jesus, it's fantastic, but make no mistake about it. You are in an enormous warfare with a powerful enemy. And well, Jesus defeated him at the cross, and he's risen from the dead uh, he is still active and makes war against the saints, and especially against those of us in leadership, because if we get split from the Father, uh, it affects a lot more people. So I'll just share with you here, as we close, th- you know, a few ways that the, the, that Satan uh, s- splits me from the Father and tempts me. And, and uh, I guess I got three things here. First is this. Uh, he tries to split me from, from. I'm busy. I get busy. I stop reflecting on Scripture for myself. Uh I don't have the kind of leisure and space to just let Scripture soak deep in me. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, some things about, you know, Jesus was so immersed in Scripture that as these Temptations came his way, uh, when he was very vulnerable, again, he was 40 days fasting in the desert, that it was so in him that, no, the the way of the Father is the way of of, uh, rejecting this popularity of the world and being afraid of what people think and being popular or powerful or climbing some kind of a ladder or positioning myself. He was so free. But how do you get that free? Well, you get that free from a life of, of drenching in Scripture, of living off every word that's proceeding out of the mouth of the Father. I mean, Jerry and I, the other day, uh, had a difficult interaction. Uh, we were with one of my one of my four daughters, and uh, we just were approaching— The difficulty that we were presented with differently, and so we had some tension in the air between the two of us, and uh, I was a bit annoyed with her. And so, as we the night was over, we're going to bed. I wanted to talk about it. She was absolutely exhausted. I, of course, pushed it, didn't go anywhere. She was like, "I'm so tired, Pete. I can't talk. I'm wide awake, and so I'm annoyed." Wake up in the morning. And I just I want to you know launch into the conversation. Uh, it didn't go that well. Only lasted about three or four minutes, um, but it just didn't go well. So I said that's it. You know, we kind of went our separate ways. And it wasn't a, it wasn't like this huge fight, but we was just, there was just tension in the air between us. So I go I go upstairs to my little office, and I'm, I'm going to spend time with Jesus. I'm going to have my devotion, spend time in silence and scripture, etc. So I I get there and I sit in my chair and I just and here I am, you know, I'm looking at the Bible and I'm like. This is a joke, Pete. Uh, And so I, I, you know, I need to ponder what happened. Now, just the fact that I ponder it, uh, I'm already in big trouble, because it becomes very clear to me within a few minutes that this issue was, I was immature and I needed to go downstairs and, you know, do not have my devotions right now in scripture, but actually live the Bible and go and talk to her about what happened and apologize. for you know, pushing it and being annoyed, etc. Uh, and but I was like, a part of me was like, you know what? Why doesn't she come up and apologize to me? Uh, and uh, blah blah blah. And of course, you know, it was, it was foolish. And I went down. I'd say it was resolved in about mm, ten seconds. Uh, it was that quick. You know, I gave her a hug, said I'm sorry. Uh, you know, it was just inappropriate. And I should have just respected the fact that you were tired. Uh, but again, when I'm too busy and noisy, I would have just. So funny, right? Have devotions, but ignore God. Easy to do. But that's one second thing I way, Satan splits me is, is I, I'm rushing. And the bigger decisions that we have before us, the more time we need for discernment. It's a more sophisticated process, you know. And you know, we hear sermons about, you know, how do you know the will of God? And We get some principles and we maybe talk about consolations and desolations, but really large decisions are, are, are complex and and it, it just takes time. But when I'm rushing, I I bypass something all the time and end up in trouble. I'd say 99% of the time, if I rush decisions, uh, I create some bit of a mess and then I've got to unravel and I don't get counsel. Or when I do, you know, you get counsel from somebody, which is all good, but then you got to take time to filter it of, well, is this true for my situation and for me and my context and my soil? And Because you're still a unique person and you get your old calling from God and your context is different. And I have a little principle, quick generally equals chaos. Uh, versus Proverbs 14.8, the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. And I know for me, uh, over the years, this takes me a while to get clear on the big ones in terms of discernment. And uh, it's just tempting to just rush. And it's always been bad for me, and I offer it to you. But a third way that Satan splits with me, and a final one I'll share with you, is, is, is on the other hand, I, I don't change. I stay stuck. Sometimes I'm too slow and, you know, hold on too long. I, I don't like change. I mean, you know, I—and uh, so even right now, our ministry of Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, uh, even getting into this podcast about a year and just only three months ago, I mean, I never anticipated this thing was going to become what it became in terms of size and large and, and even the whole ministry just around the world. And, and I'm like, what's going on here, you know? And, and then embracing my limits— um, I, I stay stuck. I mean, I I went to a church. I went to a fantastic um uh, conference with church history scholars on an African and actually uh, the early church fathers. These were these were uh, scholars from Rome, Ethiopia. Uh, they came from China. Uh, at all the probably a lot of major seminaries around the you know country and world, and just top of the line. And especially about the early centuries of the church. Uh, I went to learn, There's only 40, 50 people, a friend had invited me as a guest. It was held here in New York City. And I was learning about the contribution of African Christianity in particular uh, from them. And I just I just loved it. And I spent all day. It was my Sabbath. It was just an incredible day. Then I did my Sunday and Monday, and I was exhausted by Monday. And what happened was I, I kind of shifted my rhythm of, of um, uh, usually on Sabbath, I'm doing something restful, you know, but it was pretty, I was like 9 to 530 then traveling and all that, and while it was a fantastic Sabbath, my body was tired from it because I was, you know, going on Thursday, Friday, et cetera. But I didn't compensate for the physical tiredness. And I'm not the same age I was. I'm now actually 62. And so I hit my limits of like, wow, I I can't do everything like I used to do. I can't work the same speed I used to do that my uh, different energy levels and just embracing my limits, and so I stay stuck and don't make adjustments. I just keep going the way I'm going. That's been a tendency of my life, too, is I don't like change. And so one of the ways Satan splits me is I don't change. I I don't want to respond. He's speaking about it's time to shift the way you do life and uh, embrace your limits in a different way, where there was energy for certain things before. That's over. I got you in a new season. I'm taking you to new places. I love leadership when I do it Jesus' way. Uh, and I worship him alone. I love that verse. Worship him alone. Uh, angels do come and flood me with peace. Uh, listen, God is in your tests. God's in mine as well. And we learn wisdom as we walk through life with him. The Holy Spirit leads us to a place, yes, we're going to be tested, but he strengthens us and builds us by testing. We learn obedience and depth from what we suffered, like Jesus. Listen, it's impossible to be a leader for Jesus, but there's two truths I'll leave you with here as we close. Number one, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, uh, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. So you, everything you're in, he's been tempted by it, yet without sinning for Jesus, let us then draw confidence near to the throne of grace that we may receive grace and mercy in our time of need. So listen, we are, we are hanging on to Jesus you know, every moment for dear life. Uh, to stay grounded in our leadership. And then a a verse I love is Matthew 19, 16. With human beings, this is impossible, but with God, absolutely everything is possible. With human beings, it's impossible to be a leader for Jesus. I mean, how are you going to resist this kind of temptation and hold on to your integrity Um, only if Jesus, with his power—so it's impossible for you, but— with him, all things are possible, absolutely everything. It is possible to flourish and thrive with him. So God bless everybody. Let me invite you to visit us at EmotionallyHealthy.org as we join us in transforming the church uh, to multiply disciples and leaders uh, able to do the same for other people, for the glory of Christ. God bless everybody. Look forward to meeting you next week.